0: Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Joining you tonight, it's Ian.
1: And Bonnie. And Aria.
2: I don't know exactly what year Liberty Forum is. I think it's probably close to 15. I believe it began in 2007, but I think they missed a couple years in there. One, due to not being able to find a, a venue during COVID at all regrettably and then once in i think 2011 due to just the organizer at the times totally dropped the ball and didn't book a hotel so for the most part it's been a yearly event and it's been a really good event the liberty forum for those that aren't haven't been able to make it uh is a hotel convention so very different from your porcupine freedom festival which is like a big party in the woods the hotel convention is a little more you know a little more stuffy there's there's more people wearing suits Uh, Than you would see in the forest uh, of northern New Hampshire during the Porcupine Freedom Festival. So we went to that.
3: Yeah, but they're still libertarians. They are, and and
2: and they do do still party at night. A
1: lot of libertarians wear like t-shirts and then a suit. Yeah, it's not a.
2: It's not a. I'm not. I didn't mean to imply that it was. It was no freedom fest. Yeah, this is not a formal event. Uh, But I
1: dressed cute the first two days. The last day was just so tired.
3: I always really forget great. that it's three days because it, it's such a weird combination of three days. It's like the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, right? Yeah, but it's more of like an evening on
2: Friday. It's not a right. full day. And
1: it's even like half on Sunday, too. So Saturday is yeah, a whole day. It goes to about day. four
2: o'clock. on. Yeah. So, I mean, it goes pretty late on Sunday for, sure. for some of these types of events. Anyway, it was great. Uh, there, there were fewer people this year than last year. So, I mean, that's that's a bummer, I'm sure, for the It the was organizers. right after the
1: biggest year for the Free State Project ever last year. So, that makes sense that it would be bigger than last year. Or bigger last year. Well,
2: I mean, so, like, you know, no, I mean, the, the Free State Project Porcupine Freedom Festival grew from one big year to the next. So, the first sellout year for the Porcupine Freedom Festival was 2021. And then in 2022, they made more tickets, even though it was already sold out the previous year. They just tried to fit more people on the campground, and they did. They were able to sell that one out, too.
3: But it remains Uh, to be seen if they're going to sell out this year. I suspect they are.
2: Uh, I I would hope so as well. I mean, certainly the interest in the Free State Project is very high. Uh, There are still a lot of people moving here. And that was one of the things I really wanted to find out because I knew that they were holding the numbers, the official numbers from the Free State Project which are always, you have to remember, on the low end of, of things. So for those that are new to the show, the Free State Project is the migration of libertarian activists to New Hampshire. Well, at least we hope they're activists. At the very minimum, they're, they're uh, libertarian types people who are coming here to live a more free life and to try to make things more free in general, maybe by working through the political system or doing things outside the system, whatever. Uh, that's kind of the idea. Of course, not every libertarian is a joiner. These a lot of these guys are pretty private individuals. They don't want to have their name on a list somewhere. So
1: yeah, apparently there was six hundred and eight last year. But
2: thank you for the number. I knew it was over six hundred. I didn't remember the exact number. So Bonnie attended Jeremy Kaufman's speech last night. Uh, that was the sort of the wrap up speech where he kind of went over you know the state of the Free State project. And so the official number of movers is down. Uh, from its peak, which was over a 1,000 or like 1,100 or something like that in 2021. And so their 2022 numbers are 608
3: officially. That's just how many
1: people moved here in that one year, though. So it's not like the number of people living here went down. I just want to be clear for people listening. Well, it
3: it may have gone down some, but I mean— well, well, some people by leave. which I mean some people may have left, but yeah. it's probably still a net positive, is what I was trying to say, and I w- failed at attempting to say because oh, I'm over here. I, this whole conversation made me realize that I never actually finished buying my Pork Fest tickets. Ah, okay. And <laughs> I'm over here doing that before I can forget again, because <laughs> I will forget again, even if I said re- and like I could set a reminder to do it, you know, at the break or something. But yeah, you
2: definitely don't want to get shut out right. if it sells mm-hmm. out.
3: Well, I I imagine they they probably have the idea that I'm going to be there anyway, and it's sort of a formality to buy the tickets, but it's a good thing, I think, to buy the tickets and to show my support and all of that great stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, the site that we're going to be at is already booked and reserved, and they know we're going to be there.
2: True. Yeah, that's right. Everybody's in the, well, not everybody, but a lot of people have been saying that the conspiracy theorists have been right, right, right when it comes to the COVID stuff. Like pretty much everything that was prohibited from being said on places like YouTube that will get you banned from Facebook or whatever, the things you weren't allowed to say, they've all been shown to be absolutely true. Like the masks aren't
1: effective that came out. And and also the vaccine is just as effective as natural immunity, which even no, that no, no. Seems they like said why now mean-
2: there was a study that came out showing natural immunity was more effective oh, than the vaccine.
1: Then that was more recent.
2: Yeah, very recent. That was like within the last two or three weeks. That's make that was making mainstream he- headlines. So some people have been changing their minds about this. You've got people coming out uh, and speaking publicly like Woody Harrelson who made a statement during a Saturday Night Live episode recently where he cracked a joke. Uh, did
3: you hear? Did you guys hear what he said? You played it for me. I, I didn't hear the joke. Uh I've seen, you know, clip not clips, but I've seen people weighing in on it on social media. I mean it, it, what he said was probably great, but like just shut the hell up. Where were you two years ago, man? Well,
2: yeah, mm, I mean, that's a good point. better late than never. But yeah, it certainly would have been helpful to have the pe- these people speaking out during the midst of it.
3: But I guess you are right, better late than never.
2: But he cracked a joke about how he was handed a script, uh, and he sat down and read it, and it was all about this medical, uh, you know, pharmaceutical company that managed to force all of the people on the planet to take its uh it's medicine or whatever and it was an experimental medication he's like who would believe this and he threw the script aside so he just kind of he just cracked a joke in his monologue at at uh, the what
1: really happened
2: right yeah and and the, the audience it was saturday night live the audience was completely silent all these new york liberals or whatever that were sitting there watching snl being produced they did not like that i don't think they liked that joke at all it went Maybe over they like didn't a get rock it. yeah it could be uh, so there's you know there's been some people coming out and that's interesting and all but uh, the big reveal here is from the telegraph that's a british newspaper it's been around forever and they have uh, they have multiple stories on this they're calling it the lockdown files and we're only going to be able to scratch the surface of this for you there are uh, this has been coming out over the last several days there have been many reports and what has happened is is a certain health secretary in the UK named Matt Hancock apparently he's like trying to have a book written and you know how these people are they don't want to write their own books they want to have a ghostwriter come in somebody whose job it is is to punch up the book write the whole thing basically and then the individual uh, to whom it will be attributed the politician or whatever simply puts their name on the on the book you guys, I'm sure, have heard about ghostwriting. That's what it is. Uh, I've heard of it. I don't understand why they would do it.
1: Yeah, I can't you, wrap my mind around it. Like, how is it fair?
2: Pure laziness. I mean, they just don't have the time, quote-unquote, to do it. They want to, you know, make their profile larger. They want to get more attention. They want to get their ideas out. Oh, so-
3: he's getting some attention, all right. <laughs> and that's part of the problem, is it like, once you do something like this, you you are turning over all of your information to someone else. And you have to trust their judgment. Yes. And, and if you have some sex scandal or something, you have to trust that they're going to be like, hey, look, let's let's not include this in the book instead of taking it to the press. Well,
2: right. And so in this case, uh, and we'll get into the details here, the person he gave his details to to write this book actually did the right thing and went rogue, essentially, violated her non disclosure agreement. I didn't know Sarah Palin was a writer. <laughs> and she... Uh, she just released all this information over a hundred thousand whatsapp messengers or messages sent between ministers, officials, and others show how the government used scare tactics to force compliance and push through lockdowns. What you can extrapolate from this is that if the u k politicians who Arguably are very, very similar in demeanor and, you know, how they run things to the U.S. politicians.
3: Yeah, they're two sides of the same coin for the most part.
2: Yeah, if, if the U.K. politicians are this, you know, dishonest and mercenary and plotting and evil, which, of course, we always knew. We know that's what politicians are. It's just you. some people have to see the evidence.
3: And, and so here it is. But they, the problem with that is that even if they see the evidence— These same people were still like, "Well, that's." the United Kingdom. Dr. Fauci isn't like that. <laughs> Joe Biden here. isn't like that. I, I mean if that's the level of
2: denial that you're in obviously this isn't going to persuade you.
1: I mean what there hasn't been like massive outrage about the stuff coming out like the natural immunity is better than no, there hasn't, no. uh, vaccine immunity or that masks never worked actually. There's not been a bunch of people coming out like wow I was wrong like I need to talk to these conspiracy theorists. I think you're right Nothing about like that. that has happened. It doesn't matter when they see that they were wrong they just move on
2: you're absolutely right i think that they're the the mask wear the kind of person that today is still going around wearing a mask in their car by themselves (sighs) or walking down the street wearing a mask or whatever which by the way it's a surprising number of young people that do this yeah there was like demographically
1: there was one young waitress at the restaurant we went to today wearing a mask Mm -hmm. when like no one else was, so it wasn't like mandated by her.
2: Well, we don't know what the rules are on that restaurant. It could be the restaurant has mandated vaccines, and that anyone who doesn't take the vaccine still has to wear a mask while they're it's working. Possible, so she could be unvaccinated.
3: But in my experience, no one's checking for vaccines at this point. I, we, yeah. at, at the place I work, we've hired probably fifteen people this year. We haven't asked a single one of them if they're vaccinated.
2: I get where you're coming from, and I don't. I'm just saying I don't want to go out on a limb because this sure. restaurant had signs up in the waiting area asking people to wait in their car well, because I there didn't wasn't even see enough. I, uh... Yeah, I pointed them out to you. You're probably talking to Jay. Oh. but uh, but yeah, there's. It's not the largest waiting area or anything like that. But there's literally signs up saying please wait in your car. So they haven't taken those signs down. So that to me indicates, and and Concord's a, a political city, right? So yeah. like, they're probably pandering to the bureaucrats or whatever. Anyway. Uh, I, I agree with you, Bonnie. I don't think that this story, as bombshell as it is as far as revealing these politicians, were absolutely trying to manipulate public opinion, trying to stoke fear. And again, we barely even scratched the surface of it. But that I don't think this is going to take people who are walking around wearing a mask and say, oh, oh my goodness, I've been lied to and, you know, strip the mask off and then completely change their demeanor. I Second
3: cause you. fallacy at this point,
2: man.
1: Yeah. And a lot of people who just uh, like are, you know, middle road, they're not like serious mask wearers and stuff. I think they're just tired of hearing about it. Like if they saw an article come out about COVID, they'd be they're, like,
3: they're not going to read it. They're yeah. Fatigued.
1: I don't like hearing about it, really.
3: All right. Well, I but still invested so much in this mask nonsense they have like for two years now they've made some people have made it their entire personality right yeah that's true. and even if they didn't go that far they've still they spent two years doing it now they they've firmly invested their lives they're gonna keep into going, wearing going for the, the masks. rest of
2: their lives some of these people
3: yeah nothing it's going to take something i, I don't know what to sh- to shake them out of that complacence and that delusion that it's just like a religious person who's you know been born and raised in in whatever religious background they have they're not just going to snap out of it of their own accord most of the time. Yeah,
2: that's true. They're going to if they hear this news at all, if they were to actually listen to this discussion or read these articles because there's a series of them from the Telegraph, then they would still justify the masks by saying, "Well, the politicians may be dishonest, but there's still COVID and it was still killing millions of people, so we have to keep safe," right? So they'll still have some sort of internal narrative that just rejects the political angle and still embraces the fear of the whole thing.
3: Even though it was it politicians like this guy who were the ones telling us that it was killing millions of people. <laughs> right. And there's no reason to believe politicians. As far as I can tell, there's no reason to believe that anyone died as a result of COVID nineteen. Certainly it's hard some people say. certainly some people died in the last two years, but that's the most I can say.
2: Politicians have already warned that some government messaging during COVID, including using fear tactics in poster and health campaigns, were grossly unethical. And their inflated fear levels contributed to excess non-COVID deaths and increased anxiety disorders. This is what psychologists were already saying before all of these revelations came out.
3: I I could see that. I mean, for the people who are susceptible and who actually believe the nonsense that the government says, yeah extremely bad anxieties it's just like Greta Thunberg being told her entire life that you know the global warming is going to kill you you're going to die in the next five years and it's going to be miserable and everyone else is to blame and you are going to die she believes that. that screws people up
2: it's part of who she is now
3: yeah and then the government's doing that to everyone about COVID-19 you're going to die It's amazing that anyone is still sane.
2: The exchange was not the only time the former health secretary and other senior officials discussed tactics to frighten the public into compliance. Six months earlier, in June of 2020, when the UK was coming out of the first lockdown, Mr. Hancock, who was again the chief health guy uh, there, and some other bureaucrats appeared pleased that a study on the virus's spread showing it going in a positive direction had not received publicity. While a gloomy study had been picked up by the media, so they were happy that news that the virus was not spreading very well was being downplayed in the media, and instead the media was focusing on the negativity. Quote, if we want people to behave themselves, maybe that's no bad thing, said Hancock in a WhatsApp message. Wow. Sir Patrick appeared to agree, responding, quote, suck up their miserable interpretation and over deliver, he said.
1: What? I don't really know what that means, but I don't get English. English. Uh,
2: one survey, the real-time assessment of community transmission study from the Imperial College in London. Can you
1: explain what that meant?
2: Uh, so they're...
1: Suck up their miserable interpretation.
2: Yeah. That uh, part. So it sounds to me like he's he wants to uh, utilize whatever this report was in order to uh, push even more controls, basically. Uh, one survey, the real-time assessment of community transmission from Imperial College London showed the letter R, capital R, the reproduction rate for the virus had declined to 0.57. Meanwhile, a Cambridge University study in conjunction with Public Health England showed a high transmission rate in some parts of the country, prompting fears of local lockdowns. Four months later, Mr. Poole suggested in a group chat that a decision to stop publishing a so-called watch list of the areas with the highest prevalence of the virus would be helpful to the government because it would make every area of the country concerned about the spread of COVID in a second wave. Quote, it helps the narrative that things are really bad if we don't publish, said Mr. Poole.
3: Okay, so hide the information that says things are getting better correct wow
2: so as to make it easier to stoke fear right obviously in january 2021 mr case suggested that the fear factor would be vital and by the way they have like screenshots of a lot of these conversations interspersed throughout this article and we will share this for you over at social.freetalklive.com and you can dig in as deep because I, I said there's like i don't
1: i just want to know why he would give the ghostwriter all of this because it's like she wasn't going to put all this in the book
2: I think they get to the actual, like, behind-the-scenes story of how this info came out. Uh,
3: but They probably just... forgot about it. I mean, yeah. if you're steeped in corruption to him, he probably didn't give any thought to how That's corrupt and messed up what he's been saying is. Yeah, and he's
1: he's just like, yeah, she signed a non disclosure agreement anyway. Disclosure.
2: Right. He's like, oh, okay, I'll just send it all. Whatever. Uh, in January 2021, Mr. Case suggested the fear factor would be vital in combating the latest COVID wave during the third lockdown. Case and Hancock discussed what further measures would be effective, including so-called more mask wearing, to be mandatory, including in all settings outside the home. Case then said, quote, basically, we need to get compliance up, but said some measures like a ban on angling. I have no idea what that means. I think fishing. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, quote, we'll be parodied galore if it looks like we have suddenly decided fishing is the first step toward tier five. Hancock replied, I honestly wouldn't move on any small things unless we move on a lot. The only big remaining things are nurseries and workplaces. Kay said, I agree. I think that is exactly right. Small stuff looks ridiculous. Ramping up the messaging, the fear slash guilt factor, vital. Cabinet Secretary then said,
1: Who's out there feeling guilty about COVID? I mean, obviously, people people were. Yeah, people were like, yeah, I can't go out. I'm going to make it unsafe. I could
2: kill someone, my grandmother. So at one point they were they were making fun of people who had turned themselves in to quarantine in one of these stories, like the you know how they had those hotels set up and they would yeah. quarantine people in there. Um, and the right.
3: politicians were making fun of people who turned themselves who turned in.
2: Turned themselves in. I mean, yeah. so were we. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we
1: didn't cause it. We didn't make cradle. them do it, and then laugh at them.
2: So let's see, uh, Matt Matt Hancock's secret plan to import French COVID patients. Consultants were paid a total of a million pounds a day to work on the NHS test and trace, according to the leaks. Sex ban during the lockdown sparked fierce debate, according to the leaked WhatsApp messages. Uh, Matt Hancock rejected advice to cut COVID isolation as it would, quote, imply we have been wrong, unquote. Mm. These are all headlines. There's all stories behind every
3: single one of these uh, these headlines but we know now that they were in fact wrong yes indeed. everything the government says that you should do for the last two years in regard to COVID 19 was, was totally wrong.
2: wrong and oppressive
3: how matt hancock
2: chose saving face over ending unnecessary pandemic? uh let's see going on here project fears psychological warfare must never be repeated say lockdown rebels well obviously we agree with that that's not a a revelation here uh, I mean, it just goes on and on. Oh, this headline is sounds hilarious. Inside Matt Hancock's desperate bid to be known as Mr.
3: Vaccine.
2: That's well, why I got to I got to see this. He
3: had to be Dr. Fauci of the UK, I guess. I, I could see him wanting that particular title as well. But yeah. to be, what was it? Dr. Vaccine Mr. Or, Vaccine?
1: Mr. Vaccine. I don't get it. Is this an old... Headline from before these. No, texts this is came all
2: out? from the from the texts. Oh, okay. all this whole, all of these headlines I'm reading to you, and I'm skipping many of them, are all come. They've all come out within the last three or four days. So oh. like they just keep Lord. on coming. They got a hundred thousand text messages to go through.
3: Yeah,
1: but so he was in there like, I want to be Mr. Vaccine. That's so silly.
2: Hancock feared he would not get credit for the UK's vaccine success and described the speeding up of the jabs rollout as a, quote, Hancock triumph. The former (laughs) health secretary's WhatsApp messages show he fought to be the face of Britain's vaccine campaign at the height of the pandemic and became furious if he thought others were getting the credit. So this is all about. Hancock right this is yeah. all about his career and his you know uh vision being seen as he's the creator of all of this he wanted to to bring all of the attention upon himself it wasn't about helping
3: anyone except for Hancock well I've got good news for him about attention he's getting plenty of it now <laughs> <laughs> that's true and by the way he apparently
2: has not denied any of this how could he right well I mean he could say it's all fake right because she could have In theory, the lady that leaked this could have doctored it, but uh, he was told by his media advisor that fronting Britain's vaccine program would allow the press and public to forgive him for imposing lockdowns and that politically he must balance the two. By late 2020, after Britain had been plunged into a second lockdown, it became clear the pandemic would only end with a nationwide vaccination program never before seen in the country. Hancock had already battled with his cabinet colleagues over who should have overall control of the procurement strategy, struck an uneasy compromise between the Department of Health and Social Care and the, uh, some other department. In November of 2020, they caught wind that Pfizer was planning an imminent announcement that its vaccine was more than 90% effective against COVID-19, which we've seen those numbers have changed hmm. yep. uh, since that time. It's now like, what, less than 40% or something? And meanwhile, the UK was putting all of their money on AstraZeneca. On hearing the news was about to break, Hancock bemoaned that he was not live on camera and worried he would be overshadowed by Alok Sharma, the then business secretary. And then they actually get into the text messages between his media advisor and Hancock. They even have an editorial piece from the, this lady. Her name is Isabel Oakshot. And she's explaining why she, as a journalist and a writer, decided to violate her non-disclosure policy with a certain politician named Matt Hancock, who was the head health minister of the UK during COVID, why she chose to release this information. So she's not like some sort of anonymous source. It's right out there. We know how this information was given to her. It was given to her by consent by this Hancock guy. She was helping him write a book at the time, and he literally just downloaded a database. From WhatsApp and gave the information over to her, and then she went public with with what is over a hundred thousand texts between politicians, high level ranking politicians and their advisors in the UK about COVID. And about how they were absolutely manipulating public opinion to justify lockdowns, to justify controlling people, ginning up fear on purpose, unnecessarily hiding data that could have been against what they were. I mean, the list just goes on and on
3: and on here. It's wild. And it makes me kind of sad. Uh, I think you mentioned that this goes back to March was when these articles first started appearing or when the. the This month
1: yeah oh, that's why this i asked fresh. you that question last time i was like are you saying these are old articles because for some reason i thought march of last year too no I'm
2: okay sorry. i feel so much month. better now then okay no, i was no, like I no
3: this has been out for months and no one's giving it any attention i yeah. think this
2: i just i did find a story here from late february so it may have been sometime toward the end of february yeah but this is february. like recent Yeah, so. this is fresh which is but why I'm
1: still saying, i i wasn't banned on twitter for uh you know at the end of february and I haven't seen anything up talk anyone talking about it on Twitter. I wouldn't, wouldn't have I heard about it without Ian. And you were
3: rightly—I mean, you were wrongly banned on Twitter for calling Biden a fag, right?
1: Yes. Thank you. Oh, and thank <laughs> you for your post about it. I obviously couldn't like it or anything. It's ridiculous. It's like
3: you have f-word pass.
1: It's just that if you <laughs> say it's offensive to gay people, anytime you call a white old man a fag, you're calling all gay people fags.
3: Yeah. No, he's definitely a fag. And he, I don't know if he's gay or not, but he's definitely a fag. Oh, wait,
1: did I call him gay? I have no. to say straight. Oh. I'm just
3: saying, I mean, being gay and being a fag are two very, very exactly. South Park nailed this one as as they so often nail things, but they they absolutely nailed the the ever changing definition of fag, and it's and they're not wrong. It's such a fun word to say. It's never going to go away. But
1: mm-hmm. was it something with uh, the teacher or something? I no, don't remember was, that
3: bi- bikers oh. uh, on on you know harleys and stuff making all the noise and you know as someone who lives oh, on the highway yeah. i every time every time spring and summer rolls around i do want to yell in my window fag every time <laughs> these people drive by you know blaring oh. their motorcycles because it's loud and it's obnoxious and it's
2: well Bonnie will be back on Twitter too. soon enough Freaks although out you've, my dog. you've said you're debating whether or not you actually want to go back to Twitter
1: yeah it's just like do I want to go back to Twitter when i got punished like a little kid for calling joe biden something i should totally be allowed to call him oh, yeah. did they make
3: you delete the tweet when, yeah when i called sununu a fag and got banned for that they made me actually go in and delete the tweet before the seven day countdown would even start
1: well wow, i didn't know that you got banned for that because the thing is i really didn't maybe in hindsight it's like yeah you should have known you'd get banned for that but seriously i really didn't think that that was something you could get banned for even like pre-elon musk taking over i didn't think mm. i mean like That's so crazy. And the thing is, somebody obviously had to have reported me because it's like. mm -hmm.
2: Because you said fag in your response, Aria, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And in a comment on Ian's response and no one like automatically banned you. It's not like automatic thing.
2: Let's go to uh, Major Payne. He's on the line in Michigan. We just got banned from every video platform. (laughs) Go ahead, Major.
0: Good God. You guys do love to ride off the rails, don't you? What's on your mind, (laughs) All right. (laughs) Here you go. Um, A fag. The original definition is a burnable tinder. Yep. A bundle of fags is fagots. That's right. Yep. All right. All right. Now, um, Bonnie had a question. She was trying to get off of Google, and she, it wouldn't spit her the truth about the pitch and the roll. About hmm. that comment from the English guy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Roll the pitch.
0: Populists wouldn't understand the pitch and the roll. That's an old nautical term. You got to remember, English are sea bearing people. Mm. The pitch is the cant of the ship. The wind's blown to the right; it's going to be in one way. If the ship's blown to the left, it's going to be cannon the other way. Mm-hmm. The roll is the buck of the sea.
1: Yeah, that's something related to like what did pop up that seemed kind of like a engineering term. It had a picture of like an airplane, so that apparently they use those terms with like airplanes too. But it's like I just yeah, wanted to know what it meant they're, colloquially. They're both,
0: they're both applied to wind and pressure and such. So yeah, okay. that makes sense to cross them. What else? Um, well, you guys were talking about all the heinousy of this uh, th- this damn COVID and the, the untruth of it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of a poster that they were putting out when I was just like five, seven years old about marijuana pot. The evil weed with the roots in hell. Wow. Everything <laughs> was glowing and the devil was behind it.
2: Wow.
0: was a pot.
3: Wow. Remember the, I mean, you may not have been around for it, but there was propaganda in like the 1930s. I was like, hey, this will make your your nice little white wife lust after the black men. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Reefer Madness was the movie.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. I do remember that one.
2: Yeah. That's a classic. I don't
0: think I ever saw it, but I do remember the title.
2: That's easy to come across. Anybody that wants to see Reefer Madness, I'm pretty sure it's like free to watch online because it's just so old. Is it a documentary? No, it's totally fiction. It's oh, you've never seen Reefer Madness. Well, no, I never watched it
3: either. When, when I, I asked that, it. my my question is, is: Is it a documentary about the propaganda in the thirties and no, the forties no. used against it marijuana? It is
2: propaganda from the thirties. Oh wow! Wait, was uh, it played
1: in like movie theaters or like I don't know? Because obviously it wouldn't be know. like on the
0: internet.
2: Must have must have been movie theaters. theaters. Yeah. Um, the, go ahead. The,
0: the original fear of pot came from the uh, the jazz musicians.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. They were the ones that were huffing the chiva. And uh, people got spooked.
1: It was I mean, probably the just, jazz music that and was and getting, getting the white cool ladies the to have weird. sex with the black guys, not the
3: weed.
0: Bonnie
3: makes a good yeah. point. Sorry, sorry, Major
0: Payne. No, I'm just saying that people don't understand something. And the puffing achievement, it's just like, oh, what are we going to do about this? And they don't know, so they, well let's, well, let's do what we've always done. Let's limber up a rope and round up the horses.
3: I mean you make a really good point and humans we we like to think that we're evolved and we're we're so much better now than we were 4 or 500 years ago but the whole issue with the witch trials and with the inquisition and all of that was that something mysterious would happen something unexplained would happen and someone would get called a witch and then you, then it it just went downhill from there mm-hmm. and going all the way back to humankind watching the apparently watching the Sun orbit the earth and creating all of these mythologies about a flying sky chariot of that this was a god who was keeping us all warm anything that we didn't understand, we explained that it's it's magic and then we killed people who disagreed with us. Just like, put on the mask and that'll keep you safe and it's magic and and it'll work. And if it doesn't, if you disagree, we'll kill you.
0: Area, as far as the sky chariot carvings, they are all through history.
2: Early on in the pandemic, Hancock and his media advisor had discussed how taking credit for the vaccine would allow the public and media to forgive him for backing the lockdowns that removed their liberty. Hancock... No,
3: the, the the people who are upset about losing their liberty are not going to like you any better because you pimped vaccines. Hmm. Like The people who are upset about liberty are also not interested in your vaccine. Indeed. Uh, but nonetheless, they had this conversation.
2: Hancock says to his assistant, front pages on vaccine are unreal. You're totally right. I must own this. I need to meet this scientist who is at the same Oxford College I was at. His advisor, Jamie Njoku Goodwin, says, yep, papers see it as the way out. They will forgive you for being in favor of lockdown if they think you're working night and day for a vaccine. This was the former health secretary's closest aide. Mr. Goodwin said it was important that uh, Hancock be there to, quote, unquote, cut the ribbon. In early December, <laughs> Mr. Hancock gave to get the credit.
1: So stupid.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hancock gave one of his most memorable interviews of the pandemic as he appeared to break down in tears of joy live on ITV's Good Morning Britain program. Wiping a tear from his eye, he told the program it had, quote, been such a tough year for so many people. And he was relieved that people could at least, quote, get on with their lives, unquote. But with the medical agencies, pharma companies, and ministers putting out announcements on vaccines without adding a quote from Mr. Hancock, he began to get frustrated.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I almost feel bad for the guy. I, mean, in, I know. He in a such sick kind of way. Right.
2: The same thing happened, and, and then they give another excerpt of him getting mad at somebody else that the media links to. Like
3: you said earlier,
1: it's like the stuff that's at stake makes it kind of not funny.
2: Yeah. The same thing happened the next month when Hancock and his media aides suspected the MHRA, which is the UK's medicines regulator, so their equivalent of the FDA, had briefed a Sunday newspaper on the length of time it would take to approve vaccines without consulting the Department of Health. And uh, <laughs> he's given the... I'm skipping through a lot of the chat here as he's talking with Poole, who is, again, one of his advisors, and he links to the news coming from this other agency and hancock yells in all caps i called for this two months ago this is a hancock triumph and if it is true we need to accelerate massively so again talking about himself in the third person so weird imagine (laughs) if
1: like ian when he was like you know when, when like cacr32 went on the thing uh, you know in front of the house he was like this is a freeman trial right. why
2: isn't the media interviewing me about cacr 32 i helped write the thing
3: <laughs> so it's just well, so they cringy. were interviewing you no, no, not, not really and that's fine like, i didn't yeah. care I,
2: I, but, i'm fine with being behind the scenes of important things but yeah that's i, that's I like the, the idea of, of people
3: envisioning us being like these sh- these puppeteers <laughs> hiding in the shadows <laughs> with the with the state reps doing the bidding the
2: strategy of taking credit for the vaccine and therefore the impact on lockdown restrictions was eventually given its own slogan, Own the Exit. The phrase is repeated several times before, Mr. between Hancock and his aides in the months that followed. On December 6th, after The Sun reported Hancock can't wait to scrap the tears system, he told his assistant, quote, We are going to own the exit. That is the strategic imperative. The following month, the pair discussed the strategy again. What the hell does it mean to own the exit? Meaning that he wants the credit for letting people out due to the vaccine. So he locked them down, but then he wanted to get redeemed by being the guy that was the focus of, "Oh, Hancock has allowed us to be free again."
3: Well, that's essentially what his advisors were were saying the solution for this is, "Hey, people are upset that you locked them down, but if you're also the reason that they get unlocked down, then they'll they'll be happy." And that that shows such a fundamental... These people do not understand... Yeah, out of touch. She, yeah, they do not understand the human spirit or human nature.
2: When the news was breaking that this man was cheating, I presume on his wife, uh, but, you know, probably cheating here, having a intimate embrace in his ministerial office with a woman named Gina Colan, Colan,
3: Coladangelo. Uh, I'm... Th- I'm- curious why he would do this in the office obviously because your wife isn't at the office obviously that's reason number one He's but, horny
2: uh, i don't know but like not thinking in obviously. that
3: case why do you have cctv
2: cameras in your office It's government offices maybe it's just a thing right like security cameras I they, guess. Have, they have cameras but, uh i don't know it just, it just seems strange to me that that that's not it's far... So, it's probably so common in their lives. Because remember, London's got CCTV right. everywhere, right? Yeah. So, like, people have office cameras. They have security cameras. This is obviously a security camera. I can see one of the images of him embracing this woman. Is she um, pretty? Yeah, she's okay. But,
3: uh, but you know... Dude Th- threw away all all the fame and fortune of being yeah. the the health secretary of the United Kingdom he's cu- for... He's cupping her up. You can see her. It's
1: like the back well, of her head, she's pretty hair.
3: I looked her, head, her up. Oh. Looked her up. Uh, all for a bitch who's okay. <laughs> yeah. Sad.
1: I don't know. You got you gotta understand. Ian thinks like <laughs> Ian just thinks that most women are just okay. Well I mean that's well, yeah,
3: most the definition women are not particularly of particularly average, right?
1: I don't know. There's lots of times where I'm like, she's pretty and Ian's like, eh.
3: I I I was always under the impression that Ian based most of his off of the the weight. And I I don't that sounded <laughs> yeah. so bad, but like heavier people are unattractive, essentially. You find them unattractive? Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. But also,
2: and, you don't have to be, um, you know, thinner, and you can still be quite sure. ugly and th- thin. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, but anyway, that takes
1: most of the people on this planet ugly to Ian.
2: I mean, especially Americans. Hey, Everybody's got their preferences. Okay, <laughs> hey, I'm, so, uh, there's
3: nothing wrong with that, man. I like them crazy.
2: <laughs>
1: all yeah. I was saying was, like, the back of that woman, she looked pretty. She, I would have probably thought that if she turned around, she'd be pretty. But,
2: but I didn't right. see her and face. She's not bad. I, she's nice hair. You know, I'd put her in the, like, I don't know, seven.
3: Would you category? throw away all the fame and fortune of being the, new, the <laughs> United Kingdom's health secretary? Mr. Mr. Vaccine. Mr. Vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Would you throw yeah. away being Mr. Vaccine to yeah. snog her?
2: Obviously, yes, yeah, snog. So that's a word I just learned. Apparently it means, uh, like, a passionate kiss. And it's a uh, British slang.
1: It's really gross word.
2: Within it is. I learned it from
3: Harry Potter. And it hmm. is such a gross word.
2: One a.m. was when the pictures were published online of Matt Hancock and his aide Gina Colen- Coladangelo, in an intimate embrace in you his know ministerial office.
1: What's really like weirder is like, I don't know. I can't imagine wanting to climb the ladder up to Hancock. You know what I mean? Like it's like you when know that- as far as the girl. Yeah, she's kind of worse in this situation to me. Like, this is
2: pretty common, though. I mean, it's not uncommon for uh, people to sleep their way to the top. Yeah, right? but I mean,
1: Like the top of like a movie producer is different than Well, like she's, Hancock, not gonna she's not going to be likely. She's not
2: going to make it to Princess or whatever, right? So she set her sights a little lower.
3: I mean, this guy is yeah, still a top. that's a weird. He's still a top politician. I mean, isn't that like the way politics works? So, I mean, I, obviously we have the, the idea of that happening in movies, as you point out. But I think it's politics is also filled with absolutely, it. absolutely because cor- otherwise, the corporate what,
2: America is too. Right? Yeah,
3: actors they have the fame and the money they can offer you, but there's someone else on this planet who has money and fame they can offer and you and power.
2: Yeah, but if you're
1: only yeah. a seven, you, you you have to deal with the politicians.
2: Well, depends on how good you are at stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, just think about Monica Lewinsky. I mean, you gotta be kidding me, right? I mean,
3: yeah. She's pretty. She was- she wasn't that great. She may have been prettier, you know, in the '90s yeah, or '80s then, or whatever. When it counted, she, was kind, of she, yeah, she was, he, was kind of was chubby. Yeah, was she chubby guy. when he was governor of Arkansas? Because that was when all this happened. No, right? he was president.
2: Oh. Yeah. No, she did him under the desk, uh,
3: supposedly. Bill, ra- raise your so, standards, man. Well, I mean,
2: yeah.
3: doesn't does feel like, like a chubby him? intern. Bill likes chubby. Yeah, apparently right? he does. I mean, uh, good hey, for whatever
2: floats your boat. What? What year is it? Uh,
3: That's why he was was. was always my favorite president. I mean, all the evil stuff aside, right, he was the cool (laughs) president. If I was a part of a religion that did confessionals, I'm a Satanist and we don't do confessionals. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you want to talk to me about your problems, that's one thing, but don't confess your sins to me or whatever. But if I was a priest and I had someone, you know, come and confess to me how they were regularly touching their their daughter each Mm -hmm. night or something... It would be a violation of my my faith to report that to the police or, you know, theoretically report that to someone who could do something about it. Mm -hmm. But I would feel like it was justified. Like at a certain point, these non-disclosure agreements or this confidentiality, it has to be broken or you're an accomplice or you're just as guilty, just as evil as they are. Mm -hmm. That's a good point.
1: The other thing is he's a politician, so it's not that tricky. Like you can lie to politicians and it's moral.
3: I think in this case, she would not have been immoral or evil to keep this stuff silent. So I don't think it would have been bad for her if she had not released it or you know, immoral to not release it. But I'm.
2: Yeah, I don't think it was immoral uh, in this case. I mean, the. No, it was moral to right. release it. Yeah, I agree. The risk to her, of course, is any kind of reputational risk of, oh, well, you can't contract with this lady. She might just, you know, violate her contract. And obviously Well, yeah, she if was... you're
3: banging the secretary and manipulating yeah. the. Western society. Right, so
2: she's probably not going to get any book deals from politicians from here out, but there may also be a lot of people... That see this woman raising her profile in a really positive manner, and they are now willing to hire her, whereas she previously wouldn't have been, you know, gotten a a new job or whatever. So I think that the uh, the check mark in the honesty column is worth way more than the you know whatever negative check mark she would be getting or minus sign for breaking a a non disclosure agreement in this case. And and also think about with uh, you know the AI thing we discussed over the summertime, where uh, the Blake Lemoyne, the the ethicist from Google broke his non-disclosure agreement to reveal the AI technology that they had behind the scenes. And he lost his job over that. But a lot of people, I'm sure, really appreciated that thing.
3: Well, if this lady's looking for work, as I understand it, James O'Keefe is starting a foundation that's yeah. going to compete with uh, Project, Project Veritas, Veritas. And this is right up their sort of alley. hate hey, point. Yeah, you she could totally
2: work for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. if
3: you find someone doing something evil, let us know. You know WikiLeaks they can did make her the same undercover. sort of thing.
2: She's decent looking. They can make her an undercover, uh, you know, one of their people See? that traps people. So she says, was it right to reveal the truth about the way we were governed during the pandemic? Or should I have sat on the WhatsApps messages I received from Matt Hancock because I owed him a duty of confidentiality? Is it my job as a journalist to keep politicians secrets and protect their reputations?
1: And that's the other thing. I didn't know she's a journalist until now. I just thought of her as a book writer, which isn't really like journalism to me. But it's different if you're like a journalist and your job is to like, it should be to get the truth out to people to report things like that.
2: Or is it my job to uncover what they'd prefer to hide if it's in the public interest? She says, I know what I think, but since the former health secretary accused me of quote unquote massive betrayal for handling or rather handing more than 100,000 messages to the telegraph, I have faced a barrage of hostile questions about journalistic ethics. However, the astonishing number of letters and emails I have also received from ordinary people thanking the Telegraph for publishing the lockdown files is the only answer I need. Here's a tiny selection of the reaction to our investigation. Dear Isabel, my son committed suicide after lockdown as he missed school and gained a lot of weight. Hmm. He died in December of 2021 and was an indirect victim of lockdowns. No, he was a direct victim. Right. Sure. This government is criminal. Good on you. Keep going. Another letter. As the daughter of an ex-home care resident who suffered immeasurably from Hancock's lockdown policies, I really can't thank you enough. But I also offer thanks on behalf of thousands of care home residents and their families who equally suffered, including members of my own pressure group, Unlock Care Homes. Some so, like
1: nursing homes yeah, in um, England.
2: Right, where you couldn't visit your right. loved ones. During this, and so your grandma or your mom or dad or whatever ends up dying during this situation, or at least situation. like declining
1: really bad to where like it's not even the person you knew anymore. Yeah, because when they can't get the social interaction, like they just start going crazy. It's, absolutely, it's absolutely, and well, it's sad.
2: Uh, obviously, uh, let's see here. Obviously, you've never heard of confidentiality. Well, I guess this is another letter, so another or, or text message or email or something. So not everybody was happy. Uh, in the long term, said another. This that one was prove- from Hancock. This will prove the politicians have no hiding place from their incompetence and power-mad behavior. Thank you again. One of the details, Ari, I don't know if you heard about this Tennessee story last week.
3: I didn't, but I'm really curious about it because, like, are they defining what clothing is suitable for women and what clothing is suitable for men? Because it seems like they would have to do that. No, what they're saying is is it has to be prurient.
1: Yeah, yeah, they said that if somebody is like cross-dressing, quote-unquote, and it's prurient, which I had to Google, it means like sexual, sexual, like the common person would find it sexual. But the thing is, the cops are just going to be like, yep, get on down from the stage, you're going to jail. But there's nothing
3: prurient necessarily about drag shows.
2: That's the problem. We think that, but the conservatives tend to
3: believe that any drag show is prurient. or That's because conservative- they don't know what they're talking about, That's right.
1: If, yeah, but if some conservative... Tennessean cop goes to break up a drag show because children are there. They're not going to be like, oh, well, you know, this wasn't really se- nothing sexual was happening. There's going to be like, yep, get it get No, it they're going to
2: make the arrests and then they're going to tell. Then, then somebody's going to say, look, I'm not. Dra- you can't even see my uh, junk or my uh, my boobs or whatever. I'm not dressed sexually. This is a. I'm wearing women's clothing. This isn't sexual. And the cop's going to say, tell it to the judge.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. And the thing is,
1: like, I had to Google the word prurient. So the the cops in Alabama or Tennessee probably have to, too.
2: (laughs) Right. And, you know, we know that some people believe that nudity is is sexual. I don't believe that. We don't believe that. But some people do believe that. That's why things like women being topless at the beach is prohibited in so many places, because people literally believe that it's
3: sexual for that to be the case, even though there's nothing related to sex going on. I argued with someone once, I, I tried explaining to them that humans sexualized nudity, like like Pavlov's dog, right? Where every mm-hmm. time Pavlov would feed his dog, he would first ring a bell. right? And this trained the dog so that every time he heard the bell, he would begin salivating, like, all right, it's dinner time. Humans did the exact same thing with nudity and sex, where the only time you ever see someone naked is Just when before. you're about to have yeah. sex. And That's this triggers your dopamine releases, and mm-hmm. in that way, sex becomes inextricably linked to nudity. Great yeah, point. Yeah, it's like there are
1: definitely cultures where, like, being nude is more acceptable, like Germany. My German friend used to laugh at me because I would just, like, naturally, like, look away. Like, I'd continue talking to her, but, like, look away when she'd change, She'd be like, oh, are you afraid because my boobs are out?
3: Yeah, all we <laughs> have to do is ring the bell and not eat every once in a while. And we can break that association very, very easily mm-hmm. where we can see someone's naked body And not have it be sexual.
2: Which is why I think the protests that have been done on occasion are very valuable to allow people to see somebody, at the very least topless, uh, a woman topless in public. Most people don't want to be fully nude in public simply because, as you pointed out, Bonnie, there is a bit of puritanism here in the, the history of the United States. It's not to say that you're a prude if you look away from your topless friend. It's just that we have been raised in what is essentially a prudish society. So we have these habits that have been developed through the idea, uh, whether it was intended or not, to you know sort of promote prudism.
3: This was always a weird position for me on the topless episodes of She Talk Live in particular. Not Mm -hmm. so much the topless Tuesday episodes, but the topless She Talk Live, because to me, nudity isn't sexual, right? I've spent too much of my life uh, intentionally breaking that association because I recognized at some point that, you know, We were trained to associate nudity with sex and we could break that association. But anyway, so here I, here I would sit with like Nikki and Angie and they were both topless and like, just for the sake of curiosity, I got to look at their boobs. What are are your boobs (laughs) like? Right. But when I'm doing so, I'm not doing it in a sexual way. But because of that, it creates this weird dynamic where we all want to look at each other's rack. But none of us want to get caught looking at each other's rack, even though none of us think it's a sexual thing. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What is your name?
4: Hi there. My name is Gage.
2: Gage, you're on the air.
4: All right. So this really isn't about government. I'm not going to really say anything about that because I'm not too knowledgeable about it. Uh, But about the COVID scenario, I mean, you guys aren't too far off the bat that it wasn't anything that was fully proven throughout the entirety of it all. Mm -hmm. But, I mean... As far as the deaths go, um, my dad is immunocompromised, and he's had the flu, well, I think, once since um, I've known him, and he's been immunocompromised. And when he got, like, COVID, you know, he got, like, the mild version, and it almost killed him. Like, he was a, a step away from death. Yikes. So Sorry he to did, hear that.
1: He, well, he, he didn't die, right? Like, did he, did he, was it bad from the flu, too?
4: So, from the flu, it was Bad, but however, uh, with COVID, you know, it had both the near death because it just kind of tore him up from the inside, but it also had a residual. So we still mask every now and again. You know, we understand that it doesn't help as much. But sometimes it's just better safe than sorry, especially if somebody is, you know, compromised or extremely young. Well, it's but like, you really can insane?
1: make that decision. I don't really think that it does anything. It's not that it doesn't do as much. I, I don't think it does anything. But you can make that decision. And I wouldn't even say anything about it. I would have never like criticized you for it, ever. It's just the fact that for the last two years, we've been having to argue that we shouldn't be forced to wear a mask when we don't want to. Mm-hmm. And then we were proven right that it doesn't do anything.
3: Yeah, man. I, I think no, everyone that's... here agrees. Uh, if if your wife was dying of some disease, I uh, I wouldn't be shocked at all for you to try literally everything possible mm. to cure her or to keep her safe or whatever. The same with your father. I no. I would wouldn't blame you at all. Even if it only works zero zero point zero 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 one percent of the time, But oh yeah, the,
4: do it anyway. Oh yeah, definitely. The masks did become a bit of a stigma for a while. And it was funny, too, once everything let out, if if you guys noticed, if you did wear a mask, like, nowadays, you know, even when we go out in public, 99% of the population is wearing one, and it's like an anti-stigma, you Where know? do you live? It became, I live down here in Florida.
1: You, and you said 99% is wearing a mask right now?
4: No, no, it's not wearing a mask. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like the corner news has
3: a sign up that says you masks. can't wear a mask inside. Really? Yes, right. they Boy, do. That's a big change.
1: Well, I mean,
2: stealing. Oh, yeah. tell
3: me about it. That. it says due to theft. You're
2: yeah, not, well, but, but they but still. But they used to require masks. Yes. So that's a that's a yeah. huge change.
4: So yeah, Gage, Which I would say though, that you you did have a bunch of of uh, fun masks come around around that time because I do remember a gag mask that um a friend showed me that he and his family got. It was a ramen noodle uh, mask that if you put it on and you had glasses, it would fog up your glasses. That was the whole point of it.
2: I don't know if I consider that fun, but hey, you know, you get (laughs) your fun where you get your fun, I guess. Um, I you know, hey, like, yeah, it's uh, like, suck
1: to have your glasses actually fogged up.
2: I agree with my
3: co-hosts. Fogged, uh, we are saying fogged.
2: Yeah, I agree with oh. my co-hosts here that uh, if you want to put on a mask, that's totally fine. But the one thing that you don't have a right to do is to tell everybody else that because you're afraid or somebody you know is uh, immunocompromised, that everyone else in society should also have to do the same thing. I mean, that
1: saying that an immunocompromised person got a disease and almost killed them isn't really like an argument to me. It's like well, yeah, you're saying they're immunocompromised. They don't have an immune system as that, as robust as the average person, so probably it's going to affect them a lot worse than the average person. The thing is, do, does the 99% of the population need to protect that 1% or should that 1% be protected by their families and stay out of the public as often and things like that? Should we close down right, the economy that, for it? No.
4: Correct. That's not what I'm saying. I was All just right. saying, yeah, like, as think far you as... The- different perspectives but it's also interesting how you know uh with the COVID shop like there's that one tennis player from russia he just wants to come over and play a game but we won't let him because he doesn't have a COVID shop and nobody else in the world cares it's interesting how that happens
0: you just heard highlights from the latest episode of free talk live you can download full episodes subscribe to our podcast listen live and more all for free at freetalklive.com.